time for a new teaching series, and I'm, I, I am really excited about this. Spoiler, it's in Philippians. I was going to do a whole rollout, but Cody, you did your job well, and I love you. Um, <laughs> let me give you some backstory. Hey, we're going to be in Philippians. You guys are being so sweet. It's making me want to tell like 100 jokes because you're laughing at everything I say for some reason, uh, which is awesome. So um, yeah, so I, as, as the pastoral team has been like just discerning what's next for our church and as I've been praying for us and thinking about the year of 2023 and I feel like God has put some real like goals in my heart for our family that I'm, I'm praying for and for a few months now, I've known like we wanted to dig into an epistle of some sort. In other words, a book that's just after the Gospels in the New Testament somewhere. And <clears throat> just been aware of that. Some books have been thrown out like Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians. And um, then uh, my friend Taylor, who's in my house church, uh, he's helping lead our house church. And he was led to the letter of Philippians. And so our house church spent months in it. And it was so rich, like God was just gripping my heart in, in special ways in Philippians. Like, you know how like you love the Bible, but sometimes one of those verses or one of those books, it just hits a little different in a season. You're like, look, I, I love the word, it's all good, but like this book in this season's hitting special. That's how Philippians felt. And then I was randomly on Spotify and I was checking out Ethos Downtown just to hear one of Dave's sermon, because someone said Dave had an amazing sermon, and come to find out, they kicked off a series in Philippians. And so it felt like heaven was just flashing this big neon sign, just like Philippians, Philippians. And so I'm really excited. We're going to venture into this amazing book of Philippians. And I want to preface today by saying we're going to be a little more informative than inspirational today. Because I don't know about you, but it helps me to like know a little bit about the author about the people, about like what's really going on in this letter before we actually explore it. Um, and so today we're not going to cover any passages in Philippians. I'm just going to hopefully give you some, some good background that helps you, that puts a little color to this letter. And so I need you to turn on like more of that student learner vibe. Um, if you're waiting for me to like stir your heart, I don't know. I don't know. TBD, maybe I will. Uh, but this will be more for your brain. And, and the more you pay attention today, the more you take note of today, I do think the more beneficial this series will be uh, in the coming weeks. Does that make sense? Okay, so if you're a note taker, this is your moment. Pull out your phone, pull out your paper and pen. Um, if you're not and you're like me, um, cool, chill. Hold on. All right, so to live is Christ. That's the series title. I was praying and thinking, what best summarizes the book of Philippians? And I, I feel like that's the verse. And so Anyway, the book of Philippians, it's written by a guy named Paul. He used to be named Saul, okay? Um, a lot of you are probably pretty familiar with him. But if you're not familiar with Saul's story, um, Acts chapter 8, a great place to just open up and start reading. It's an incredible account of how Saul becomes Paul and, and just his transformation. But basically, um, he's this devout Jew, very religious, very ambitious. And at this point in Acts chapter eight, Saul is really angry at the Christian movement. So whenever you think about the crucifixion story, this group of religious people yelling crucify, 
Saul was team crucify, like for sure. He was stoked to see that happen. In fact, you can know this because in Acts chapter 7, there's a guy named Stephen who's preaching the same gospel that Jesus preached, right? Jesus resurrected from the dead through him is the only way to God, salvation in Jesus' name. And they, the same group of people stone Stephen to death. And Saul's there for that moment. They're actually throwing their coats at Saul's feet to give them more flexibility so they can throw stones harder at Stephen to kill him. It's really gruesome. So this is who Saul is. Like, evil dude, zealous in killing Christians. And in Acts chapter eight, he leaves Jerusalem and he's on his way to a town called Damascus. And his goal is to find men and women who are followers of the way or the way of Jesus. And on his way to Damascus, ready to arrest whoever professes the name of Jesus, bring him back to Jerusalem, hopefully execute them. A light from heaven shines down on him, blinds him. And the words of the resurrected Jesus begin to speak to him. And they give him instruction. He obeys the instruction and then quickly comes to realize this Christ that I assumed his dead body was stolen from the tomb by his disciples In fact, he was not stolen, but Christ legitimately resurrected, and he is speaking to me now. And so there's this incredible conversion where Saul recognizes Jesus as Messiah and within days begins preaching the gospel. And if you're familiar with the story, try to rehear it. This zealous, ambitious arrester and killer of Christians now professing the name of Jesus. It's really, really incredible. And so as we read Philippians... And at times, you're going to read just this soft, sweet, empathetic heart from Paul. Remember who we're reading. This dude was a gangster. Like, he was about that life. He was killing people for real that believed in Jesus. So this is a really amazing transformation, okay? Now, let's talk about Philippi, the land of the Philippians. You guys still with me? Okay. You ready for Philippi? (laughs) Um, Philippi is named after a guy named King Philip who, fun fact, I did not know this, was Alexander the Great's father. (laughs) Give it up for Alexander the Great! Um, Philippi was basically um, a retirement town for Roman soldiers. So when you think about Philippi, think about this place that is deeply political, and their allegiance is tied to Caesar, into Rome, okay? These colors don't run. And Paul goes into this town and he is preaching an entirely different allegiance. So like this town that like all hail Caesar and he's going like, let me teach your hearts how to say all hail Jesus. And because of this, he stirs up a little bit of trouble. You'll learn this about Paul as you explore his journey. He's often getting himself into trouble because of his preaching. He's persecuted. People come to believe in Jesus. When Paul leaves, they get persecuted. Kind of a tough time, but as Paul is preaching, um, if you want to find this story, go to Acts chapter 16. This is where Paul's journey with Philippi starts, or with uh, in Philippi starts. In Acts chapter 16, the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul and directly says, "Go to Macedonia, go to Philippi." It's there where he meets this icon named Lydia, his prayer warrior, who's there and helps Paul plant the church in Philippi. 
And it's also there, do you guys remember the story where Paul and Silas are in chains and they sing hymns and there's an earthquake, break every chain, break every chain. And as they're singing, break every chain, the chains break, (laughs) it's crazy. Um, But do you guys remember this story? They're in jail, they're singing faithfully, an earthquake happens, the chains break, a soldier's gonna kill himself because he's failed his job and then he comes to know Jesus because Paul and Silas bear witness to him. That's in Philippi. That's where this all happened. Pretty fun. Okay. So after Paul leaves Philippi, after doing months of ministry, he goes away and he's arrested. All right. He's arrested and he's put in jail um, in, I think it's called Caesarea. Caesarea. How do you say that? Anyone know? I've actually been to Caesarea as well. I've been there literally in the flesh and don't know how to say it. But anyway, yeah. So he's in the Roman political capital on house arrest, all right? And while he's there, the Philippians hear about it. They're like, oh my gosh, not Paul. He's in jail. What are we gonna do? You know what? We need to send him some money. We need to fund his ministry. We need to show him we love him. Would anybody be willing to make this journey? Hey, we pull up that map. Next slide. Look how far away these places are, okay? Pretty long distance, okay? So people in Philippi, we gotta show our guy love. And it's a guy named Epaphroditus, who we'll call E. E's like, hey, I love Paul. I'd love to make this journey. They hand him some cash. He makes the journey. I'm assuming it takes a really long time. He shows up to Paul on house arrest with this money. And Paul's like, my guy E, oh my gosh, it's so good to see you. Oh, this gift. Oh, this means so much. Hey, don't leave yet. I've got to write a letter to the Philippians. I got to let them know some stuff. And so this guy, Epaphroditus, from Philippi is with Paul, and it gives Paul this chance to reach back out to this people that means so much to him, that he loves, that he knows they must be worried about him. They gotta be concerned with his safety. And so when Paul writes the letter of Philippians, picture Paul on house arrest with his friend Epaphroditus, And Paul knows he's got this chance to reach out to a group of people that he loves. And here's some of the purposes of his letter to the Philippians. The first thing, he wants to teach and give them understanding of living through the lens of Christ resurrected. He wants to help them see life through the lens of Christ resurrected. Paul, when you read these words in Philippians, you're going to notice this. He's not one of these people that's like really trying to muster up belief. At this point in his journey with Jesus, it's instinctive. He knows beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's going to talk to Christ one day face to face. He knows it. And it's so deep within him that it's shaping like every decision he's making. The reality of Christ's resurrection and return, the reality that Paul will um, draw his last breath and then spend all of eternity with Christ is shaping the way he sees all of life. It's shaping how he sees ministry. It's shaping how he sees suffering. It's shaping how he plans for his future. It's shaping how he makes his decisions how he responds in certain situations. Like everything about Paul's life is rooted in the promise that he will see Christ face to face 
and that his life on earth is actually the most temporary reality. That life with Jesus is his far more permanent reality. And fun fact, Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 11, which like magnifies that Jesus took on flesh and died for the sins of the world. That's actually a poem of which all the letter of Philippians revolves around. So like at the heart of Philippians is that 6 through 11 that just magnifies the death and the resurrection and the, and the hope of Christ's return. This is all Paul's thinking about. And so certainly as he's writing this letter to the Philippians, he's trying to hand off like that way of thinking and living and breathing with the people that he loves. Second purpose is very simple. He just literally wants to catch up with his people. Like I feel like I can kind of miss those little details. He's writing to his friends and going, hey, here's what's going on. Number three, he wants to let them know that he's sending Timothy. He's been training up this pastor. He's been discipling this guy named Timothy, and he's letting him know, hey, I'm in jail, but I'm sending reinforcements. Timothy's on his way. Number four, he wants to thank them for their support. You'll find out in chapter four, the Philippians are one of the only groups of people that are holding Paul down. He's ministered to a lot of people, but the Philippians are the only ones that found it within themselves to like send some cash his way. And he's like, hey, thank you, for real, <laughs> thank you. Like God, God's got me, but I need some money and you sent it, like I appreciate that. And if you wanna send some more, feel free, okay? You'll see it, anyway. All right, my heart for this church as we venture into Philippians, just so you can know some of my motivations for this family as we explore this book over the next several weeks. First, I'm praying that God would grow our intimacy together as a church family. Intimacy as a church family can be hard in rows like this. You're shoulder to shoulder, it's hard to move around, and sometimes it can be hard to like live and breathe as a sweet church family. That's why we do things like last week and have a family day, to sort of just like break up that rhythm. But in, uh, in Philippians chapter two, Paul instructs the Philippian people, be in full accord, be of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. And it's that heart from Paul for the people of Philippians that I have for us. God, in this series, will you grow our church? Will you help us not to be a selfish church, a self-indulgent church? a me first church, but when I walk into this space and when I hang out with this family outside of the Sunday context, will you help me to have eyes for my family? Will you help me to love my church family as you love me? Number two, I'm praying that God would mature our church into robust adults in Jesus. I'm becoming more and more aware that we live in a culture of adolescent adults, a culture that keeps us young and immature. Paul says in Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And immediately I feel this call into a more mature understanding of the stakes. Right after that beautiful poem in, in, in verses six through 11 where he talks about Christ taking on flesh, taking on the sins of the world, and you're like, hallelujah. Next verse, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, have respect, have deep reverence for what it means to call yourself a follower of Jesus. 
Man, it's by grace. His love is never ending. Grace is always yours. You couldn't earn it. But man, once you're a follower of Jesus, hey, it's serious. Christ is really coming back. Take that seriously. So God, will you mature us into robust adults? Number three, I'm praying that our awareness of who we are in Christ, our identity would increase. In chapter three, verse eight, Paul says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. You hear that? That's a really powerful moment there. The loss of all things. Oh my goodness, Paul, are you okay? Yeah, oh yeah, I count them all as rubbish. Yeah, no, we're good. I lost everything, okay? I did, it's gone. I got nothing, I'm broke. I need you to actually donate to my ministry because I'm in prison and I have no money. But I count all that as rubbish anyway. Why? In order that I may gain Christ. We can't compare that, that's identity. That's when you know you got it. (laughs) like deep within your soul, and that's how you view losing all things. Okay, number four, I'm praying for vision. That God, through the letter of Philippians and through Paul's powerful words, would help us see life through the lens of meeting Christ face to face. This is chapter three, verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So my prayer is that Christ's return would shape our motivations, our decisions, and would be the lens through which this church family sees all of life, that we will see Christ face to face, that that will be the most permanent thing about our existence. All right, so there's the spiel. Now we're gonna do a little exercise. So I want you to pull out a phone or pull out your Bible and turn to this letter in Philippians. It's in the New Testament. It's after the Gospels. You can find it. This next part is going to require your brain, your brain power. So if you zoned out on my like, essay that I just gave you, come back to me. There's no lid. Okay. If you've been with us for the Psalm 23 series, there's six verses in Psalm 23, and we did one verse at a time. You guys remember that? It's a couple weeks ago. It's very recent. Hopefully you remember. <laughs> we did one verse at a time. And we saw the power about like slowing down. And especially when verses are familiar, like, no, slow, let it marinate. Watch what happens if you just concentrate on one little piece of the scripture. Watch what it does. And if you're like me, like Psalm 23, man, there's so much color added to that psalm now that we went through it slowly. Today, we're gonna do the exact opposite. We're about to read the entire letter of Philippians. If you've never done this, and this is an easy version, okay? I've sat and read a whole gospel in a group, and it was like two hours. So it was like, dang. But halfway through, it gets really good. At the end, it gets great. You won't believe what happened to Jesus after he died. Yeah. He don't stay dead. Spoiler. Okay. Um, All right. And so if you've never done this, this is a great tool to add to your tool belt in your journey in Scripture. Reading an entire letter or an entire book in one sitting will actually offer you a different perspective on that book rather than reading a paragraph at a time or a verse at a time or a chapter at a time. So right now, I want to invite Taylor Wigington. I want to invite Amanda. I want to invite Luke Lowe's on up. Y'all give it up for our squad. Yeah, the squad is here. 
And I can tell by that applause that reading the entire little letter of Philippians feels a little daunting. If you'll go ahead and sit up, get attentive, lean in, and read along with us. I want you to pay attention as we read. Now, we're going to be reading out of the ESV. So if you've got a phone and you want to choose a translation, ESV is where we're going to be. That might make it easier to follow along. But as, as we read this letter, I want you to pay attention to Paul's tone of voice. What do you notice about him? What do you notice about how he views the Philippian church? And at the end of this, we're going to have a time to circle up and discuss, like, man, what stuck out to you as we read this entire letter? Does that make sense? Are you guys ready for this? Ready. Back, in the back, you guys ready? You guys ready for the book of Philippians? All right. So this is Philippians chapter one. We're gonna oh, we're going to need the handheld. All right, Paul, house arrest, Epaphroditus, standing by, don't leave yet, let me write this letter, that's where we're at, okay. Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my, oh wait, oh, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day and until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you, all with the affection of, man, I can't, guys, reading is so hard for me, I shouldn't have volunteered myself. <laughs> Verse eight, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. 
But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I'll remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but, also, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will, genuinely, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. 
I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of of God in Jesus Christ. Let those of you who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved, long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore you, Adiah, and I implore Sintiki to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, 
whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at your... Now at last, your care for me has flourished again. Through you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to bound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well, that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches to glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Mm. All right. Thank you, Taylor, campus coordinator. Thank you, Amanda, worship coordinator. Thank you, Luke, pastoral apprentice, in case you didn't know their positions. All right. Um, Yeah, so there you go. There's the letter of Philippians. And um, let's go ahead and throw up that communion slide. So what we're going to do is, next one, we're going to circle up and, and just Try to just answer these questions, and look, I understand what I just did to you. We just read an entire letter in one sitting. You weren't ready for any of this. So if you want to take time, even as you circle up, to like thumb back through what we just read to sort of help you come up with your answers. Um, But yeah, let's circle up in groups of three or four, and let's answer these questions. I don't really want to explain it. I just want you guys to do it. You guys are ready. You can do this. So let's go ahead, circle up. If you don't know someone in your circle, just introduce yourself real quick, and let's just discuss, what were you taking away from this long-form reading of Philippians, chapters one through four? All right, begin winding down. You can get back in your row, or not, whatever. All right, let's do a little uh, big room, big room discussion vibe real quick. Let me hear a few of you uh, share. Number one, best guess, right? Like, how did Paul feel about the Philippians um, based off of what we read? And then, uh, you know, what, what made you answer the way you answered? But let me hear from some of you guys. How'd you feel? How do you feel like Paul feels about the, how do you feel that Paul feels that we all feel? How did Paul feel about the Philippians? Yeah. I feel like he, it's like almost like his favorite 
You know, I, the favorite child thing is, has to be close because this is by far the most positive epistle Paul writes. He writes 13 letters, and this Philippians is known to be the most joy-filled letter he has. Like, go read 1 Corinthians if you want to see him not always full of joy. But he does a lot of rebuking in 1 Corinthians. <laughs> He's like, stop doing this, 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 and this, please, as soon as you can. Uh, anyway, what else? Yeah, I want to hear from both. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They've got the special privilege of being able to give to Paul. Yeah. That is interesting. I, I've, that came up, I think, in recent weeks, the First Corinthians distinction. Um, but I didn't connect the dots on like why he wasn't taking money. It's a great point. He seems what? Yeah, he is. He's so proud. And he's, you can tell that he trusts them. He's like, he's like really calling them higher in how they view his suffering and their suffering, but in like this, I believe in you type way. It doesn't feel like a, as much coaching as it does like, man, you guys are ready. I can explain how this all works right now. It's really cool. Anything else on this side of the room, anybody? Yeah, y'all chilling. I feel that. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right, number two. How did, how does Paul view Jesus in ministry? Like, what do you hear in him? Yeah. Yeah, how often is he saying of Christ, in Christ, day of Christ? Like everything is, it's just like always on, the, on his mind. Yeah. You were talking about the, just like the level of, just like how crazy it was and how quickly his conversion was. Yeah. But in reality, it's because he already had the zealous nature and the ambition yeah. to go and do that kind of work. It was just in the wrong place. And then Christ spoke to him and it Yeah, it's true. Since his hope and belief is in Christ after this life, then no matter what season the current life brings, there's this steady hand that Paul 
brings. And you're right, he is so, he has to be like a seven on the Enneagram, right? Like he's like so hyped up. He's always a hyped up guy. He's always like real focused on getting whatever he's doing done. Um, and so now his energy is just shifted toward Jesus. What else? Paul's heart for ministry. Yeah. I heard you say Chick-fil-A at first and was like, I actually never really connected these dots. Okay, chick flick, is that what you said? Okay, now go, now go, I'm ready. Hey, will you just repeat that? I ruined it. Can you just start over? Yeah. Yep. Hey, if you're taking notes, Paul, the girl boss for Jesus, that's actually dope. That's 100% right. Tunnel vision. What else? Someone from this side of the room, y'all, come on, balance this out a little bit. What do y'all feel about Paul's heart for ministry and for Jesus? Yeah. So good. Last thing. What did you notice? What was different about reading the whole thing at once? Any any thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah, that's that is such a benefit of reading it all in one sitting because it is a letter. But if you just approach it like one chapter a day or one paragraph, it's like this is a good thing, but like. What's the Bible verse trying to tell me about my life? And you kind of miss the fact that like, no, this dude was like in love with these people, on fire for Jesus, and from those two places is writing this, this thought. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. Guys, this is good. This is really good. I'm really happy to hear this from you guys. Like, doesn't it help sometimes to like really dig into the context and like listen to all the color we're getting out of Paul and the Philippians and their relationship and his love for Jesus. Like the scriptures are just coming more alive. And so um, I think this, this week is really gonna help us moving forward. Um, to wrap up this little moment, we're gonna take communion together as a church. There's usually, I don't see any of the bowls, but there's usually bowls. Oh yeah, there's some bowls. Have you guys already passed out communion? You overachievers. If you haven't already taken communion, there's bowls on the inside of your... Who has not taken communion yet? Anybody? Yeah, okay, good. So this half of the church shared, this half of the church took communion. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, sweet. Well, um, 
before we take communion, I just wanna say a prayer of blessing over this teaching series. I wanna ask God to like, I listed out those four goals for our church, and so I just wanted to pray over us, and after you're done praying, you can take communion. Worship team, y'all can go ahead and come up. I kinda waited too long to tell you that, I'm so sorry. Amanda told me to give her like four minutes, and I was like, sure, here's 30 seconds. Um, thank you, Amanda. Yeah, so let me pray. I'm gonna pray over our series of Philippians, and, uh, and join me in praying. Uh, God, this letter is so cool, and what you did, in Paul's life, God, the, the soul level transformation in him, and then how your Holy Spirit in, in Acts 16 literally said, like, go to Philippi, and there's Lydia waiting to help them start this church. It's so cool that in Philippi is where the earthquake happened, like that classic story of Paul and Silas just faithfully worshiping you while in chains and just knowing like the context makes this thing so beautiful. Father, will you help us as a church family every Sunday, help us just to flip that switch in our minds to fully engage these scriptures, to let them shape how we think, to shape how we view you, to shape how we process life. God, will you use Philippians to mature us as a body of believers? Will you use Philippians to help us love each other more intimately? Will you use Philippians to help us get a vision for Christ, for his return, for the day where we'll see him face to face? Will you bless our church family, God? We wanna be that city on a hill, a light in a dark world. Um, yeah, will you just bless this series as we venture into it? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, you guys can take communion. You guys can stand. We're gonna sing a little worship. We're gonna get out of here. Love you all.